Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. And I'm Ben. We're here to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. On today's episode, episode 128, we will have our recap of the NFL draft. Go over anything notable from the first round we did not cover in our 2021 draft special, which you can download now wherever you find your favorite podcasts. We will also get into the fifth-year options for NFL players who were drafted in 2018. Were there any surprises? Uh, quite a few p- players, uh, more so than usual, I would think. Actually, uh, their options were picked up, so that says a lot about the teams and their due diligence during the draft. And we will conclude with the giant baby out in Green Bay, known as Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so if you don't know by the tone of my voice, guess where I'm going to go with my comments on that? Uh, it's not going to be flattering for Mr. Rogers. Uh, insert joke here. Uh, we're going to start with Major League Baseball. Uh, a couple of injuries to get to. Uh, ben has some not necessarily fun facts, but you know, some noteworthy items to get to. Uh, and you know, and then we're going to move on to the NFL. But we wanted to start with some baseball. Uh, unfortunately. Dodgers starting pitcher, young stud, top prospect, great pitcher, Dustin May, uh, is going to miss the rest of the season, going to have Tommy John surgery. For those of you that don't know, Tommy John is no joke. You're looking at about a year recovery time, so if not longer, it could be a year and a half depending how he reacts to it. Uh, Some players are even better after Tommy John. Some are never the same. Some are about the same. So I don't even know why I said that, because it could go anywhere. Um, <laughs> but it's unfortunate that a good young pitcher uh, is going to miss that much time. Uh, some It's very complicated and involved procedure that involves, you know, God, I don't even know what it involves. I just know it's really, really, it's a real task to come back from. It takes quite a while. Uh, and White Sox young outfielder Louis Robert, Robert. Uh, I don't know how you pronounce it. I don't see any little uh, mark above the O, so I don't know if it's actually Robert or not, or the E, but uh, he has a hip flexor strain, and he will miss three to four months. So that's that's a blow to a, a team that has a good young core and, and put together some good pickups in the offseason uh, and is really hoping to compete this year. That's a little bit of a blow to them, as well as the Dodgers. But, I mean, the Dodgers just buy everything anyway, so they'll just go find another pitcher. Um Plus, I think they're kind of well-stocked right now as it is. Yeah, well, never have too many good arms. True, true. Um, and and I was just going to spotlight the – I know it's a little early, Chris, but a uh, little MVP race. Um, AL, I know it's 20-something games, but on the flip side, it's 20-something games. And you have two players, Mike Trout and Byron Buxton, hitting over 400 still. Oh, boy. I know that one. You know how I know that one? Because they are, they are both on my fantasy baseball team. Oh, so I am well aware of the exploits of Mr. Trout and Mr. Buxton. And then uh, a noteworthy, you know, J.D. Martinez, is, and he missed a couple games, I believe. Uh, nine home runs, 26 RBIs in around the same amount of games. Kind of the just, just a quick snapshot looking at what's going on. Those seem to be kind of favorites right now. Um, Buxton and Trout have other stats that match up with JD. They're just not as 
many you know, home runs or RBIs, and then flip it to the NL. Um, I look at I'm, I looked at two guys, uh, Robert Acuna Jr. and uh, Chris Bryant, uh, both having nine home runs and twenty plus RBIs. I mean, you say Robert or Ronald? Ronald. Ronald. Okay. Uh, so that's. I mean, we're at the what quarter mark? Not even quarter mark. No. Like, no, the the sixth mark or eighth mark, but I just thought we'd get a quick snapshot because we've been doing so much uh, NFL that I thought we might just touch on a little MLB, and maybe next week we'll uh, take a look at the uh, potential Cy Young candidates. Although the NL looks pretty pretty locked down by a certain pitcher in New York. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no secret you're talking about Jacob DeGrom. That kid is yeah. ridiculous. My man, I I have to look deeper. I don't know what his contract situation is, but the Mets, this is a couple of years now. He's consistently been pitching at a ridiculously high level. They need to lock that kid down. If they're going to pay uh, uh, the guy they got from um, Cleveland, shortstop, uh, what is his name? Francisco Lindor. Francisco Lindor. How, man, wow. Yeah, okay. Had on the tip of my tongue, just could not remember. That was frustrating. Uh, they paid Francisco Lindor ridiculous money. If they're going to pay, you know, all this money to have these, you know, young talent and players stay, they they better lock up their pitchers too. Yeah, Mike Trout, who's a, a generational talent, and without a doubt in his career, you know, provide injuries, you know, aside, uh, could make a run at many records and is so consistent and well rounded. I honestly believe could go down as one of the all time great players. Uh, then you have Byron Buxton, who, I mean, this kid was a top prospect. He's still real young. I mean, he's taken a few years to develop. He came up, he was a speedster. He wasn't a power guy. He was he was, he was a base dealer. He was, uh, you know, make spectacular plays using his speed. And then he got hurt a little bit. And he's still, you know, he's not slow by any means. God, he can still run circles around you or I. But, I mean, that's not really accomplishing much, but still. Uh, and, I mean, this kid's starting to come into his own. Starting to be comfortable at the plate. And, you know, he's starting to show signs of the player that the Twins thought they've had when they drafted him. So, I mean, I'm hoping for his sake and that of my fantasy team, this is the player he really is and he's here to stay. Um, And J.D. Martinez, people, everybody in the Red Sox had a down year last year. Down Last year was an outlier. It was a weird year all around for many reasons, both in baseball and outside of baseball. Forget the kind of hitter this guy is, the kind of discipline he has at the plate, the kind of notes he takes. J.D. Martinez is a top hitter in the game, so it's no surprise that when things start to get back and you know flow of things, he's at the top of the league. It's not a shock at all. Uh, and as far as Ronald Acuna Jr. goes, he, much like Byron Buxton, has been a uh, top prospect and is really starting to show everybody why. Uh, this kid, he's the sky's the limit for him. He he could just be, he could be another Mike Trout, honestly. So that's uh, anything else baseball. Or are we gonna move on to football? No, just I just finished off with Buxton. Um, I think what happened with him was he came up, he had a lot of, you know, pop and circumstance, you know, coming up and 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 thought he could be the show. Uh, the show 
as it usually does, hits back. It finds your holes. It finds your weaknesses. Um, and for some players, it takes them a little bit to turn around, and it took him a little bit longer than one would hope. Um, and you pointed out Ronald Acuna. Uh, the game hit back at him, and he hit back very much quicker. So it just it all depends on how you acclimate to the, to the league and how you can tighten up those holes and sure up those weaknesses, whatever they may be. Um, Cause Byron was probably close to becoming Aaron Hicks who just gets traded because it wasn't quite working out. I'm sure the twins were very close to doing that again. And if you know, Aaron Hicks, he actually turned out to be a pretty good in, uh, baseball player in, in New York's. Um, but that's, that's what I would say. And then when we've talked about this before, uh, some fans, you just got to be patient with uh, some players and just let them grow, let them mature and, and then find their way. Well, it's like people, I'll just say this real quick before we move on to our draft recap. It's like that kid out in Detroit, the, the number one pick last year, what's his name? Torkelson. You know, everybody's like, oh, he's such a great power hitter. Uh, they might bring him up this year. Are you kidding me? As weird as last year was, not getting the normal reps. And then to have uh, 20 games in the minors or the alternate trading site, whatever. And bring this kid up 20, 21 years old. There's no way. Unless he's like Mike Trout level special. Maybe he is for all I know. Maybe it would be a huge mistake. Let him sit in the minors for a year or two. You want to bring him to spring training next year? No problem. See what he's got. You're going to bring this kid up, and major league pitchers are going to eat him alive, and it's going to kill his confidence, and then you're going to ruin a good career. Let him develop. Everybody wants instant gratification nowadays. That's the same. That's the reason coaches come into the league, and they get two years. And if they don't turn a garbage organization into a winner, they're just ousted and someone else comes in. Things take time. It takes time to undo the damage done. So, uh, you know... It, when you have a good young prospect, give them some time. Sometimes guys take three, four, five years to develop. Some guys never leave the minors. Some top prospects never get out of the minors. They just stay there because they just don't have it at the next level. So for a guy like Buxton to come up and kind of go through his growing pains in the majors and then get sent back down and come up and come down, it's just right. a lot about the kid, his mentality, his mental toughness the fact he didn't doubt himself, and the fact he's willing to make the adjustments he needs to make. That's the kind of player I want on my team all day. So that's a I, lot about him. And I think that's the difference as we transition to the draft, Chris. That's the difference between the NFL draft and the MLB draft is you can get that instant gratification from NFL players because they're instantly being inserted into the offense, especially these – or offense or defense, especially these first-round picks or even second-round picks – you won't see that in MLB, and that's the that's this huge difference between the MLB draft and why it's just unwatchable, and 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 also with the fact that uh, college football is so huge, it's why some of these names in the NFL draft are just so well known, uh, even if you're as as you are not a college football fan, but you're invested to know who they are because these are going to be players you're going to be rooting for right yep first season where uh i don't i i can't uh andrew benintendi when he was dra drafted a few years ago 
yeah, we knew who he was, but we didn't know if he was going to be anything and we didn't know when he was going to be up. So it's, it's just that I, I get that instant gratification and it's just, it's not there with baseball because it's just such a different game. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to our NFL draft recap. Uh, hopefully everybody watched and enjoyed as we did. Hopefully you have downloaded and listened to our 2021 NFL draft special. Uh, you can find that, as I said at the outset of the show, wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Uh, I am, this is going to be kind of Ben's segment. I'm just going to try to kind of point him in a direction. I'm hoping we can go in here. Although he already had who he thinks won and lost the draft. So I didn't even have to ask him that. He just had it. It was an idea I had. Didn't even mention it to him. And we go to do the rundown. And he's like, oh yeah, I made this list. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, so uh, there's one topic I'm going to touch on at the end. But for now, I just want to get your thoughts, Ben. Who do you think won the draft? Who do you think lost the draft and why? So I have, if we're going to pare it down to two teams, because a lot of the teams I thought drafted well at their position or did a smart move moving up a couple spots. I think the polar opposites are the Chicago bears and the Dallas Cowboys. Now I know Chicago gave up a lot. It's just, this is not comparable to, to Mitchell Trubisky. I don't know. No, 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 no. I think Justin Fields has a lot more game and a lot, a lot more polished game than Mitchell had when he came out. Um, and I think giving up that first round pick, the third round pick, the fourth round pick on top of swapping picks, I think it was worth it in their mind because that's the guy that's going to lead them into the future. And I thought it was a great move by them. Um, obviously, if you were listening uh, to, if you listen to our draft uh, show, the anguish you could hear out of my voice that he got selected at 11. Uh, where the Patriots didn't jump up and get him um, is very evident. And before <laughs> and before we recorded, Chris had to walk me off of a ledge because yeah. that's I got that hyped at number ten because I'm like, is this really gonna? And then Chicago jumps up and Chris just you know he he knows what's gonna happen. I was in delusional, uh, but I think well, the biggest. Go ahead, go ahead, Chris. Just real quick, just to cap that up before we move on. The the thing was, it, look, I was hoping we got Justin Fields too. Okay, yeah. Um, I I honestly, and I mean this not only because we have him now. I'm excited to see what Mac Jones can do. Uh, I think the fact that so many people are high on him, but yet you have all these all, all the all the Patriot detractors in the media going, "They made a mistake. This is terrible." really gets me excited. It's just the same folks who said Tom Brady was done 10 years ago. So I, I'm not ma- look, I don't think this kid's going to come into Patrick Mahomes. I'm being realistic, but I think the team we got, he can really, really do something good. So I'm optimistic, but look, I was excited because Justin Fields is exciting. It's, it's, it, it, it's a big name in the draft. It's one of the guys right. who was really, really hyped. Uh, and, and he, you know, did so much in his college career and looked so good. Like you said, a really polished player. And, you know, we get to obviously the first three, you know, nope. 49ers take Trey Lance, not Justin Fields. The Jets make a mistake and take Zach Wilson, not Justin Fields. Atlanta decides 
73-year-old Matt Ryan is still the guy, so they take Kyle Pitts. Uh, you know, we knew the Bengals weren't taking the QB, and the Dolphins weren't. Thought the Lions might, but didn't. Uh, Panthers apparently they think Darnold's the guy, so they took they took a corner. Same with the Broncos, uh, and then you know the Eagles. We get and then we're you know we're at ten. Ten, Eagles pick Devonta Smith, and Ben's just looking at me like, dude. I'm looking, and in fairness, I'm looking back at him like this. This might be possible. We might be, have a shot at getting Fields, because. The the Giants weren't drafting quarterback. No, the Cowboys weren't. The no. Chargers certainly aren't. Uh, and, and the uh, the Vikings possibly uh, as and they it, did they did in the second round, right? Yeah, they did. But they, we thought maybe they might go for a first rounder if they're there. Uh so I was I was kind of nervous uh, about that pick, but I'm like, okay. All these other teams are going to want to pick where they are. And then the Giants trade, we see Chicago, and Ben's like, that's Justin Fields. I'm like, yep, it is. Sure enough, they take Fields. You could have, if you've ever watched somebody as the air is taking out of them, as far as like their hopes and dreams go, yep. that was a live look at like what was going on inside of Ben's head. He was like so distraught. Like he was legitimately, like, he had to actually, like we were talking about the draft, and he had to legitimately like stop talking and like, collect his thoughts. And I looked at him and I'm like, you knew it wasn't going to happen. Like, I was hopeful, but I still knew it wouldn't. And I think Ben actually started to believe the hype and he's, you know, it will happen. It will happen. It might. It could. And then the Bears are like, no, we're going to ruin someone else. Right. So, so I, I mean, uh, you know, and, and then I got nervous. Then I got even more nervous. I got more nervous because I'm right. like, okay, Mac Jones is the only one of the big five left on the board. And what if. <laughs> What if the Vikings do want quarterback and then they go Mac Jones? Then we got, look, Cam Newton could be fine this year. Who knows? We got another year of, of mediocre Cam if he doesn't improve at all. I'm like, oh, that sucks. With all the moves we made, that would have sucked. And then the Jets trade out or trade for the pick. And I'm like, I turned to him and I was like, watch the Jets pick up another quarterback just to spite the Patriots. <laughs> watch them pick up Mac Jones just to be a-holes. But they didn't. They took their offensive lineman and, uh, Pats didn't have to make a move, didn't have to trade any picks, and got one of the guys they had their eye on. So that was good. But yeah, Ben, um, yeah, he he had some struggles when Justin Fields was picked by the Bears. It was tough for him. Right. And and if we look at this, I'll look at it two ways, Chris. As far as the uh, Justin Fields, my, my personal opinion towards him, I think it's probably a little biased because I'm more of a Big Ten guy because Michigan's in the Big Ten. So I focus more on the players that are coming out of there. Uh, but also on the flip side, I, to your point about, you know, local media, local Boston media hyping up Mac Jones and then the national usual pundits uh, crapping on it, I would say it's it's somewhere in the middle because to set, I've, I've heard enough of – this is an A-plus pick by, by Bill Belichick. He made the best, outsmarted everybody by staying where he's at and let it, everything fall to him. And I've heard the other side that it was a blunder by him. He should have moved up. And since he didn't move up, he didn't really want Mac Jones. It's somewhere in the middle, folks. I understand that's me being on the fence, but that's reality. It's not one or the other. 
he probably liked Mac Jones. He probably liked what he saw. Let's not forget who he's buddies buddies with. Uh, so he probably knows a lot about what Mac Jones does well. But also, he let it all fall to him because, quite honestly, it could have been Xavier Collins at 15 because maybe Mac Jones would got picked. I just don't at, – at, when it got to 11 and the trade happened with the Bears – I knew Bill didn't want it. Whatever, whatever the Bears gave up, Bill wasn't going to give up that uh, that much draft capital. Whether it was just, even though it was just four slots, they were probably still asking for a first round pick, at first or at least a second. And and uh, you know, what I forgot the kid's name, but they drafted it. They they traded up. They traded both their fourth round picks, yeah, in the second round to move up. Uh, I think four or five spots in the second round and take the defensive tackle out of Alabama. So for anybody, like you said, for anybody saying, oh, Belichick must not have been high on him because we saw this one gift during his pro day where he looked disappointed in a throw that, that Mac Jones made. If you watch him while that play is going on, when Mac Jones overthrew that kid, he's looking at Josh McDaniels talking to him, like not even watching the play. It had nothing mm-hmm. to do with what Mac Jones was doing. But everyone wants to take something and spin it. And spin it. So the beautiful part of this is, yeah, doesn't matter what I say. Doesn't matter what you say. Doesn't matter what any of the quote experts say. Only thing that matters is what they do on the field. Right. So we can all sit there and naysay or or, or cheer it cheer it on, saying it's a great move. At the end of the day, it's going to work itself out. And Mac Jones is in probably the best position he could be in for him. Like this defense for the Patriots with all the additions and the free with the free agent additions, the guys coming back off COVID. Uh, the, the draft picks, uh, they're going to be a very, very stout defense, top 10. The running game is going to be solid. The receiving core has a significant boost. The tight ends are phenomenally upgraded over last year. And this kid is a guy you need, like you said, you got to surround him with talent. Yeah. And, you know, he's a pocket passer, stand back and pass. Can he move yeah. around? Sure. He's not a statue, but he's also not, you know, Lamar Jackson. Not many people are. So, I think he's in the best spot he could possibly be in. And, uh, you know, I think Justin Fields also. Justin Fields got a really good spot for himself. You know, good good young receivers, really good young running back, uh, a coach that probably knows his job's on the line, so he better make sure he does everything he can do to give Fields the best chance to win. But didn't you hear that uh, Dalton is the number one starter? Sure, I heard that. And we'll see what happens, you know, because um, out in San Diego, Tyrod Taylor was still the uh, was still the starter too. After the doctor, you know, messed up and punctured his lung, as soon as he was healthy, Herbert was back on the bench, and we saw what happened there. Herbert won Rookie of the Year, yeah. and is just blowing up the football world. And uh, <laughs> for anybody out there who collects memorabilia, cards, anything like that, if you got anything Justin Herbert related. Good for you because he is way more valuable than even Joe Burrow right now. And 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 to actually accentuate your point, Chris, uh, I have the Chargers actually the second best pick in the draft because they took Rashawn Slater at a Northwestern, and even though he has versatility, like I told you, up and down the line, uh, be, have, drafting a tackle to pair with your 
young star quarterback is is a great move. Absolutely. And how that happened, Chris, is the fault of the other team that honestly traded down and still could have gotten uh, Rashawn Slater and didn't take him, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. That's the team I thought made the biggest biggest miss. Now, it's not the pick that they made. It's not Mika Parsons. I think that's a, a outstanding pick, and yep. we'll get into, we're actually going to get into that when we get into the fifth-year options. It's because, one, they traded down when they could have taken Rashard Slater because they need offensive linemen, and they need someone in the interior and possibly someone to be play center, which is what Slater can do. And then they compounded that by not taking Slater at 12 – and then the Chargers take him at 13. I think it's a big miss. And I don't I don't think they understand the, the problem they're going to have. And maybe they're going to coach up their offensive line. But their offensive line is not what it used to be three, four years ago. And I just don't I – don't, I don't see how they improve the offensive line from last year when Zeke was having problems, albeit Dak wasn't there to this year unless they think they can coach people up well i mean and it's kind of funny too i'm looking at the, looking at the draft order right here yeah. and you have uh pick 10 where the cowboys were supposed to be kind of makes you wonder exactly what these teams know about the inner workings of other teams because all draft stuff supposed to be really hush-hush, inner workings, you know, really covert, the war rooms, the whole nine yards. And yet, the the, the, the Giants had the 12th pick, and they swapped right. with the Cowboys for the 10th pick. And right in the middle was supposed to be, uh, excuse me, the Eagles had the 12th yeah. pick, and they swapped with the Cowboys at 10. Now, at 11 was supposed to be, but they didn't take Justin Fields with the trade to the Bears, was supposed to be the New York Giants, who ended up taking a wide receiver. Yes. So the Eagles wanted a receiver. So they somehow knew to jump from 12 to 10 to make sure that at number 11, the Giants couldn't get a receiver. And once that receiver was gone, the Giants were like, oh, we'll trade down again because we'll pick up some more picks and still get a guy we want. It's just kind of funny. Like, don't tell me there isn't spies everywhere. Okay. Like, that's, it's nonsense to think that in this game where so much is on the line, these guys aren't trying to get every advantage possible. Uh, so <laughs> you understand what I was trying to say there? I do. I do. It's very suspicious that all of a sudden the Giants traded out. Uh, the, no, the Eagles traded up and the Giants traded out after the Eagles picked. It's, it's very suspicious. Yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying there. Um, and I'm just, it, it's just, I think it has more to tie in with the in-division kind of thing where they kind of know each other a lot and they kind of know what each one needs, uh, because they see them twice a year and each and every year they're, they're, they're kind of developing a familiarity with the players and the coaching staff and the front office and all the communications they have. So even though they're in division rivals, they're still communicating, obviously, because the Cowboys and the Eagles made that uh, trade. Um, 
I would say that somewhere inside the depths of Lincoln Financial Field, they had an inclination the uh, Giants wanted Devontae Smith. And as soon as he went off the board, not that they couldn't use him because the Eagles could use Devontae Smith. Once that was off the board, it's like, okay, open season. But what did yeah. you, what did, what did you, what was your assessment on the Cowboys? Uh, you, you think I'm, I'm, I'm on the course or. No, I think, I th- absolutely think you are. And, and much like you said, it's, it's absolutely nothing against Michael Parsons. I think Michael Parsons is going to be a hell of an NFL player. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot like the Cowboys first round pick last year, CD lamb, you know, they, they the Cowboys are, are were pretty good at tight end. They had a decent line. They had a great running back, a really good, uh, a, a really good. We thought, but turned out to be great quarterback. Uh, they had just signed, re-signed. I, I think it's a mistake, but they re-signed Amari Cooper. They had Michael Gallup, uh, and they go out with their first-round pick needing defense, and they take C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb, look, C.D. Lamb is going to be a phenomenal NFL receiver. If any, if he's as nearly as good uh, the rest of his career as we saw him last year with a mishmash at quarterback, then he is an awesome pick. If you need a receiver, which they didn't, they needed defense. Okay, so this year they take defense. The problem is they've invested so much time in draft capital, a linebacker, and they can't seem to get it right. Their secondary is in shambles, and their defensive line is suspect at best. So instead of maybe if the guy they wanted wasn't quite uh, was a reach at, at number ten or twelve where they picked then they could trade down again. There's always teams looking to move up. Could have traded down, picked up an extra pick or two, and gotten your guy later in the first round. Uh, I think it's just more, you know, Jerry Jones loves his shiny new toys. He wanted a shiny new wide receiver. He wants his big, tough linebacker. That's great. Should have taken Slater. Should have taken Slater. I mean, yeah, it, it, <laughs> looking, at the first, looking at the first round here, uh, they still, yeah, even trading down, they could have taken them, but they didn't. They take Parsons. So you want to invest $160 million in Dak, 90 in Zeke, uh, $100 million in Amari Cooper, which I know he's not guarded by the line, but if the people behind the line are injured and not able to do their thing, then no one's getting him the ball. So <laughs> another case of Dallas just, oh, what? What's the what's the biggest name we can get right now? Let's get Mark Parsons. That'd be cool. He'll sell some jerseys. Okay. I think- so when Dak's on the injured list again next year, week four, Michael Parsons, oh, I'm I'm sure, make a great quarterback. I think I think you're correct on a couple things. They've compa- what what when they when they re-signed Amari Cooper and drafted Ceedee Lamb, they compounded their their linebacking issue that they have a great issue there because they're still carrying Sean Lee as far as I can tell. And your first round pick a few years ago, Leighton Van Der Esch, has not produced the first round quality that you expected of him. So you compounded your two issues there. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, your offensive line becomes an issue because Trent Frederick retired and your offensive line is starting to get a little bit of an injury bug problem. And that's going to start affecting your very expensive running back. 
and your very highly paid quarterback you just gave a new contract to when all you needed to do was not resign Amari Cooper. Yep. And then you could have went out in this offseason and say, okay, we don't have Amari Cooper. We drafted CeeDee Lamb. Let's go give that money to Joe Tooney. Now we have a guard. Maybe we would have had to overpay a little bit to get Joe Tooney. But we went and got Joe Tooney. We can solidify some of that interior. And then I wouldn't be so down on this pick uh, of Mika Parsons because you will have attempted to get something to solidify that offensive line. Instead, you didn't. You didn't do anything. And uh, I can't help you if you're not going to help yourself. So it's it's going to come full circle. I, and I don't hope it doesn't happen. But one of these guys is going to get injured in the backfield. Yep. And what are they going to do now? Because they don't have Andy Dalton. They're going to have to go with some Joe Schmo in, in, in at quarterback. And it's it's going to be the same thing as last year. Zeke's not going to go anywhere. Amari, no matter who it is, it's going to get one or two games and that's it. And then CeeDee Lamb's going to be as good as he can be getting open. And Michael Gallup, you kind of have to overthrow him the ball to, to kind of get him in the game. And I just don't see – I don't see how productive it is to just keep compounding the same issue when you're just not addressing the root cause of your problem, which is right now the offensive line. Who do you think just, – just real quick, just na- a few names. Which team – is there any team you think reached quite a bit? One or two teams? Is any team you think – just hit the nail on the head. Got exactly what they needed. And I mean, I know we not like the I, first I think, ten, not the first ten, twelve picks. You've already kind of dissected that. I mean, a little bit later in the first round, I got a few I can think of. But uh, I'm going to hit two: uh, Tennessee and and the Steelers. Okay. Um, Tennessee, although I'm not, I'm not as high on Caleb Farley, but I think he slotted correctly. As far as the third corner, third corner taken, I think, yeah, third corner taken. And then Najee Harris, which, by the way, Chris, that was one of my four correct selections. It was, yep. Uh, Najee Harris was was dead on. So those two guys going to their respective new teams, I think, are probably, if we're talking about later in the draft, those are two exactly what they needed because Tennessee has needs support in the cornerback position. And as you stated, the Steelers need an identity identity running back because all they have is the same thing. All right, for me, uh, I, I agree. One of mine, I'm not going to dwell on it again because you just you just discussed it. But Najee Harris to Pittsburgh. Uh, the more I looked at the kid, the more I saw because the knock on the Steelers have been, yeah, they have four running backs and they're all the same. I mean, obviously they're different people, but. They all have the same running style. They're all the same type player. Uh, so, and and you know, I looked at you and I said, "Is Najee Harris different than the other four running backs the Steelers have, or three running backs?" And you said, "Oh yeah, he'll make a difference." So, good move by Pittsburgh. Uh, Baltimore, at number twenty-seven, Rashad Bateman. Yes. Uh, I mean, they addressed the receiver issue, and they didn't just go out and get any receiver. They got a guy who you said uh, you thought the Packers at. 
uh, 29 would take. And I only say it with that tone because if you thought it would make the forever infinitely unhappy Aaron Rodgers happy, that he must be talented. Uh, so I think it's good. I, I asked you when he was drafted, is he a one? And you said, well, not necessarily a solid one. He's not like a DeAndre Hopkins. But if you have a couple players like him, you have a solid receiving core. So Bateman, Hollywood Brown, DuVernay, who they drafted last year, yeah. along with um, Mark Edwards. Mark Edwards? Mark Andrews. Andrews. Mark I'm thinking Andrews. of a former Patriots fullback. Mark Andrews, tight end. Uh, obviously, an uh, 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 a offensive line that they have, you know, made into, you know, a very, very solid unit. Uh, Lamar Jackson makes them look even better because it's hard to catch him. So that offense, along with, you know, J.K. Dobbins is starting to come around. And I think this is the kind of pick they needed. Because a guy like Hollywood Brown isn't bad. If you have three or four players who kind of play at his skill level, you're really, you're doing okay. Problem that the Ravens have had is they kind of go to the bargain bin for their receivers. Like Sammy Watkins is not the answer. I'm sorry. Like, the guy's got talent. He just doesn't ever have health. He can't stay healthy. He can't stay on the field. So there's a reason he was at, you're able to get him for a reasonable rate because he's going to play four downs for you and then be out for the year. So this is a good move by Baltimore. I absolutely agree with Pittsburgh. Uh, I think I, I, I personally think teams like the Raiders once again reached. Uh, I'm not really sure why the Giants felt the need to go receiver with all the talent they have on offense, but maybe that they was... want to. Maybe they want to make it. So I mean, they, they just signed Kenny Galladay. They had they signed Kyle Rudolph. They already had. Um. Uh, uh man. Names are just eluding me today. Their oh, other Trevor. tight end. Oh, um, Kyle Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph, the other, the other one, the other kid they dropped oh, a few um, years ago. Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram, thank you. Uh, they had Sterling Shepard um, and uh, someone else I'm, I'm forgetting, but a lot of receiving talent, and they still want a receiver in the first round, so they are giving Daniel Jones. If Daniel Jones can stay upright even half the time this year, there's no reason that this Giants team cannot have a, not have a formidable offense. So, well, isn't that the problem, Chris? Is that you didn't address the the big elephant in the room for the, the Giants, the offense tackle? The problem is they've addressed the offensive line so much. Uh, it's like at some point they got to address somebody else. I mean, I know, I know what you're going to say, and I agree with you, where it's like it's still a problem. But, <laughs> man, like, you just only swing and miss so many times before you're like, okay, let's change it up a little bit. Oh, I get you. I get you. I'm just saying they, they didn't – they legit, Chris, did not select an offensive lineman in this draft. So I I, I, I understand your position that, you know, they've, they've addressed the issue in the past. Um, it's just you – know, they, they drafted two tackles last year and also – the huge bust out of New England, uh, Nate Solder. I, I just, I mean, if, if you're going to have continue to have problems on the offensive line, at, there's only so much you can do when Gettleman's got to be held responsible for right. picking these players that seem to not be the guy. 
Um, I don't know. I just think, I think, I think you're correct in your assessment. Why would you take receiver in the first round when it really wasn't your biggest glaring need? And, and I understand the dropping down the draft. If you weren't happy with what was there, I get that completely, but then you just take a wide receiver as skilled as he is, you take a wide receiver when you had other needs. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I mean, I think it made a lot of sense for a team like the Eagles. Uh, not so much for the Giants with what they did in free agency, adding Rudolph and Galladay. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, if they come out and their offense is, you know, guns blazing, like it looks like they have the ability to with the talent they have. Uh, but we, we will see. Um I know you had something you wanted to discuss real quick about next year's draft. Real quick. Uh, but I, I wanted to get on the Dolphins just before we move on to that. Sure. The Dolphins who traded uh, Delirme Tunsil a couple years ago to the Texans, got multiple first-round picks, have done an exceptional job of turning those few picks into more and more and more. Uh, you know, they trade from three down to 12. Yep. Uh, so, okay, so they, the Niners, Niners had 12, now they have three. Then they trade from 12 to 6 with the Eagles. Yeah. And, you know, they picked up picks along the way. And, you know, Eagles picked up some picks. And Dolphins picked up some picks. And 49ers mortgaged their future. They took Trey Lance. We'll see if it pays off. If he's the player they think he, you know, think he will be, then it was worth it. If not, oof, then we're going to call that the reverse Trubisky. Uh, I just don't know if the Dolphins, if it was worth it for them to make so many moves. Uh, they had a really good draft. I'm not knocking their draft at all. Not even the players they drafted. Uh, Jalen Waddle looks to be like he could be a very good NFL receiver. Uh, so it's not a knock. It's But it was very clear that the Dolphins wanted Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase. And if they stayed at three, they obviously would have had one of those guys. Right. Uh, they didn't. They wanted them to move. They moved to 12. Okay. Moved to 12. And then almost immediately moved down to six. So they must have known, you know, Philly wasn't going for that quarterback. They had Jalen Hurts. Despite what they're saying about how they're going to have an open competition, it's Jalen Hurts' job. Let's be real. So Dolphins end up at six. And they banked all their movement. Because you called it. You said it's possible to move around too much. At some point, you got to stay pat, be happy where you are, make up your mind. I think they just made a few moves too many. Or they didn't. Maybe they should have seen what it would take for them to move from six to four. You, you, know, you want to get all the picks from San Fran to go from 12 to three. Cool. And they get to six. Maybe see what it just would have taken to get to six to four. Because they very clearly had a vision. They wanted Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase. And they were banking on either Atlanta. Look, we knew one and two were going to be quarterback. The minute Darnold was traded, we knew the Jets were quarterback. Right. We knew what the Jaguars were doing. Uh, you knew the San Fran was not trading up to take a, take an offensive lineman. No. Not the three. Not for that kind of draft capital. So you knew the first, one through three was quarterback. You know, Fields. And it went Wilson, and then whatever happened at three, 
okay, so they were banking on the fact either somebody was going to trade up with the Falcons to get that four pick, or the Falcons were going to take a quarterback. And it didn't happen. The Falcons went tight end. They took Pitts. Or or Penny Sewell was going to be taken. Exactly. Or Penny Sewell was going to be taken by... And do Penny look? The Bengals are going to do what they should have done and got some protection for Joe Burrow, and taking Penny Sewell. I think that would have been if you were a team on the outside and you didn't have information on on the war room of the Bengals. You look at their situation, and say, "Huh, their quarterback, their their rookie quarterback, who is a stud, just went down with a major injury." Logic tells you, even though their his guy is in the draft. They're going to take a tackle to help protect him. And I think that a lot of those scenarios you just laid out, they were saying, well, the percentages of, of one of these guys not being there, or I'm sorry, both these guys not being there is very, very low. We're going to take that gamble. They took that gamble. And personally, I like Jalen Waddle. I just think they needed one of those other two guys because they're talking – even during the draft, you heard it. Kyle Pitts was talked about as the most highly rated yeah. tight end ever and one of the highest rated players ever by some draft experts. And then Jamar Chase jumps off the page with his ability, his his physical physicality, and the and the numbers he put up in 2019 speak for themselves. So it just – and to compound that, and I don't want to uh, dump on Jalen Waddle, but no. he's coming off the angle injury. So is he going to be 100% come, come opening, uh, um, opening week? And I know he has, he has a lot of history with Tua because they both played at Bama. But is that what you needed? Or is that a duplication of – it's not an exact duplication, but is it? Is it? Are you repeating a skill set with Jarvis? Uh, not Jarvis Landry. Um, Devontae Parker. Not so to I forget the, they signed Will Fuller too. And they signed Will Fuller. That's again duplication of the skill set, and maybe they have this unique offense that they're going to implement. But you really could have used Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase, and you had it. You had it. You had it at number three. And like you said, they they, they, they got cute, and I hope, hope Jalen works out for them. I really do. It's just they might have just played that game a little too much. Yeah, this is no dig on Jalen Waddle, like you said. I mean, the kid's got heart. A lot of the stories you heard from him, you know, he's, he's, he's a really, really good kid. Who tough. is tough, tough and really has a desire to play the kind of kid you want on your team. No knock on him. It's a lot like Mika Parsons. Absolutely nothing against Mika Parsons. I'd be I would have been he was if the Patriots didn't go quarterback, he was one of the two along with Quiddy Pay, who I really wanted to see the Patriots end up with if they were gonna go defense. If they didn't go quarterback, they were going dominant defensive player. If they couldn't get either, they're gonna trade out. But there were a lot of people saying pound for pound, all things being equal. Kyle Pitts was the most talented player in this draft. And, you know, it's it's kind of mind-boggling to me when it's so obvious you want one of two players. And at this point, you know one through three is quarterback. So you're saying, okay, 
So we got a 33% chance of landing one of the guys we want when, like you said, they had it. A couple years ago. This is going to be a long story, but one of my fantasy leagues, I had the number one pick. This was the year that Todd Gurley crushed it. Number one pick. And I said to myself, somebody in my league, it was a 12-team league, I said, okay, I'll trade you my first and second round for your first and second round. Now, that way, what happened was I ended up with, you know, it's like picks 5 and 17 instead of 1 and 24. And then I also had the first pick in the third round. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to get three top players, three of the top 25 players with this trade instead of two and then whatever. Yeah. Well, that very person ended up beating me in the championship game that year with the very players that he drafted <laughs> that I could have had. Because uh, Todd Gurley was clear number one pick that year. So, like, when somebody is clearly in your reach in a position where you can get them, why leave it to chance? I knew when I moved from one to five, I wasn't getting Todd Gurley. And there was nobody I valued as much as Todd Gurley. So whoever I picked wasn't going to have the same kind of value that number that, that, that Todd Gurley would have had. So the Dolphins had Jamar Chase within their reach. Like, you could have taken him at three. Oh, yeah. Nobody would have blamed you for taking him at three. They Not a soul would have blamed you. You could have taken Kyle Pitts at three. Nobody would have blamed you for taking Kyle Pitts at three. But instead, you wanted to get cute and dance around. And get your nice little stat how you turned your three picks for Laramie Tunso into like 15 picks. Okay, that's great. Enjoy those picks while Jamar Chase is catching passes from Joe Burrow. Enjoy those picks while Kyle Pitts is a pro bowler for the Atlanta Falcons. Maybe Jalen Waddle will be so good they won't even remember it in two or three years. It's possible. Right. But I just, I don't, they overplayed their hand. Yeah, that's, it's just that simple. And It'll be interesting to see how everything, you know, susses out in the end, but it, it proves the point that as much as it's good to trade out during the draft when the pick, when your pick isn't there anymore, but they did this preemptively before the draft even started, hoping, you know, we don't have 100% information, but the writing's on the wall that they were looking at those two players. And instead of having 100% guarantee at number three, they dropped those percentages down when they went down, uh, obviously by the time that it all worked itself out to number six. I, I would have liked them to have Jamar Chase because I think that would have opened up the offense more. Kyle Pitts would have been an excellent fit as well because now they do. They'd have Gasecki and Kyle Pitts paired with uh, Preston Preston Williams. I think Preston Williams, um, William Fuller, you mentioned, and Devontae Parker. It would have been a, a big dynamic, and I think Jay Waddle can bring that dynamic too. It's just he brings a lot of dynamic that William Fuller brings that Devontae Parker will bring, and. It's just like the same problem we mentioned with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have a lot of this, a lot of talented running backs, but they're a lot of the same 
skill set. It's not going to help you if they all have the same skill set. All right, let's move on to uh, you wanted to get into just real quick, a uh, real quick kind of a uh, a peek into next year's draft. Obviously, uh, this is all going to change tremendously from oh, now yeah. till then. Oh but. yeah. I mean, if we if we just the last two years have any indication what's going to happen this time each year the previous year, Joe Burrow was not a first round uh, talented player, and then this time last year, uh, Zach Wilson was not spoken about even reaching the top of the second round, much less the first round. So things can happen, but right now we're looking at a possible four quarterbacks between the first and third round. Now there's, a, there's a few more, but these guys are solidly between the first and third round. There is one note I'd like to bring up. There are two players that I go, I go to walterfootball.com. So good website, go there. And there's two players that are solidly footing on first round picks. Justin Ross wide receiver out of Clemson which will be interesting to see how much he benefited from Trevor Lawrence, but they do have a nice kid coming up at quarterback. Um, I don't remember his name, but and it's very difficult to pronounce, but he seems like a, a, a great up and coming quarterback. And then this name you'll remember, you'll remember Chris, uh, Derek Stingley. Okay. I think, you know, the last name. Yep. Uh, cornerback out of LSU. This kid came on the the scene in his freshman year and locked people down. And I think if if one of these quarterbacks don't bubble to the surface, you could have a first overall pick at cornerback. The kid is just that dang good. That would be crazy. What's the last time a corner was taken first overall? Oh, I don't know. It, I have to go back a long ways, if ever. I'd have to look because even Charles wasn't uh, taken first overall. All right, so we're going to move on to uh, the fifth year options. This is we're not going to take long on this. Just kind of no. run it down real quick. Yep. Uh, as everybody, well, not everybody. Some people don't know this. Uh, when you're drafted, a player's drafted in the first round. Uh, a team before the fourth year begins. We'll have the option. I mean, there's there's a deadline date to it, obviously, but it's we'll today. A, and oh, is it today? Oh, yeah, okay. It was today. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. Uh, what uh, as of today, uh, players drafted in 2018 uh, had to be their option had to either be picked up or declined for the fifth year, which would mean after this year they're either going to be franchise tagged, which is not likely, otherwise they would have just been picked up, uh, or they'll be a free agent. So. 2018 draft, the draft of Baker Mayfield went first overall. Uh, obviously, you know, the Browns picked up his fifth-year option. Same with Saquon Barkley, uh, Sam Darnold. Even though he was traded, the team has the right, the Panthers have the right to pick up his fifth-year option. They did. Uh, same with, you know, Denzel Ward, Bradley Chubb, Quentin Nelson. Picks one through nine were picked up. Uh, and Josh Rosen, 10th Ooh. overall to the Cardinals. Well, he was traded after one year and then waived, and he's with the 49ers now. I have no idea in what capacity, either third string or practice squad or whatever. Uh, but I believe when he was uh, – trading does not void the fifth-year option, but I believe being waived does. So he does not have one. 
the Steelers picked up Minka Fitzpatrick's. Remember, they traded for uh, for him from Miami. Uh, Vita Vea, Darren Payne, Marcus Davenport, uh, Colton Miller for the Raiders. His option was not picked up because he has already signed an extension. Three years, $54 million, So leave it to the Raiders to spend more money than they have to for no reason. Uh, Derwin James, Jerry Alexander, uh, Tremont Edmonds for the Bills. They were all picked up. And then we get to number 19, the Dallas Cowboys, Leighton Van Der Esch. Fifth-year option was declined. And what did I say in the draft, Chris, when they, when they took, took Michael Parsons, Parsons to, to move on from Leighton Van Der Esch? On notice, Leighton. You're on notice. You better be on the field because you're not going to get a new contract with another team if you're not. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, he'll, somebody will sign him. Not for the big money that he's going to want. Well, but... no, but I mean, Leighton Van Der Esch isn't just going to never play again, but he probably in Dallas again. Uh, let's see. Anybody else on this list that really stood out to you? I kind of read off all those. Uh, there, there's, know. there's, there's two. Okay. Uh, Terrell Edmonds with the Steelers is interesting. Uh, they didn't pick him up. Um, I wonder what. I wonder if uh, Mika Fitzpatrick's uh, pickup kind of kind of put him in a, a bad spot because I, I wonder if they play sort of the same position. Um, and then Hayden Hurst. I don't know what you should have thought of that, but they traded for him last year and then they don't pick up his option this year. seems like he didn't show him enough to warrant. Obviously, he's well, not enough to There's a to reason warrant. they drafted Kyle Pitts. And that too. That's the other interesting part. I didn't, I didn't, I thought it would have been a, Interesting tandem to have, but apparently they're only interested in one more season and then they're willing to move on. And then one notable pickup you already mentioned was uh, Derwin James. I thought that was interesting that they, uh, they're they going all in with Derwin James, which I have no problem with. I think if he's on the field, he change, transforms the defense. Yeah, uh, there's a few that I um... – I mean, I guess if the team doesn't say anything, then they're just not picked up. So, like, um, the Patriots had two. They picked up Isaiah Wynn, and they haven't picked up Sony Michelle. So, it looks like Sony Michelle's days are numbered in New England. Uh, I mean, but someone like Hayden Hurst, though, I mean, look, realistically, he came out with a lot of fanfare. He hasn't really lived up to the hype. Uh, it'd probably be cheaper to just let him to not have the fifth year option on the table and just re-sign him to a two or three year deal. If you want to do that, right. Probably be cheaper to do that rather than pick up the option and then uh, try to sign him to an extension after that. So I don't think it necessarily means the end of his time there, but with Kyle Pitts uh, coming in, it kind of puts Hurst on notice. Like, Hey, you can be part of this offense, but you got to step your game up or you're not going to get kind of contract you want to get. So uh, obviously, you know, uh, Calvin Ridley, Lamar Jackson, uh, DJ Moore. Those options were picked up. Frank Ragnow, the great center for the Lions, uh, which is odd that they did good for a first-round pick. Uh, must have been an anomaly. But, uh, yeah, it was you know, Rashad Penny. Uh, you said Terrell Edmonds. Mike Hughes. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Rashad Evans for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, they were all declined. 
along with Leighton Van Der Esch. So those folks will more than likely be looking for a new team after the season, but you never know. Speaking of looking for a new team, you knew we'd get to it. Yeah. Uh, I don't look. I know a lot of times we go, we'll both say our piece, then we kind of go back and forth a little bit. I don't even know what to say about this guy. And I'm talking, enough, of course, we? about Aaron Rodgers, uh, the whiniest and most butthurt of crybabies. I don't get this guy. What's even more confusing for me is he apparently wants out of Green Bay. He's upset they don't give him weapons. He doesn't like how the team is run. Catering isn't good enough. His jacket's too small. His helmet's too tight. The wind uh, blows his hair just askew from the perfect angle for photographs. It's always something with this clown. And look, talent-wise, he is insane. He is incredibly talented. So this has nothing to do with the talent level of Aaron Rodgers. But he is on the the short list of all-time sports crybabies. And the media... These sycophants, yeah, these sycophants out there that just carry water for this guy to no end. Ridiculing the Packers for giving Jair Alexander some help at corner in the draft to take in a corner first over, not giving him a receiver. Let's run this down, okay? Devontae Adams, best receiver in football. Arguably. There's a short list of guys that kind of alternate. It's a little bit fluid, but he's absolutely there. I actually only say that because I actually watched uh, them break down some tape of him during a game last year. And just his footwork, when you watch it in slow motion, is just second to none. It's amazing. Okay, so best receiver in the game, give or take. Then he got Equimania St. Brown in the draft last year for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron wasn't happy with that because he wasn't Devontae Adams. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, one of the most underused and underrated receivers in the game. Aaron, he missed a year, uh, past 60 yards downfield, so Aaron's not happy with him. Alan Lazard, the guy they said was the answer, came back. <laughs> Offense didn't improve at all. Because Aaron Rodgers did the same thing he always does. Dumps off to Aaron Jones and throws 40 yards downfield to Devontae Adams. And then there's Aaron Jones who we said was not coming back to Green Bay. There's no way. They can't afford him. It's not possible. They're going to let him walk in free agency and think they're going to resign this guy? No way. Yes way. They did. They resigned him. They brought him back, along with a really exciting young running back they drafted last year named A.J. Dillon. They've given Aaron Rodgers so many weapons that if Tom Brady had the weapons in New England Aaron Rodgers has in Green Bay, Tom Brady would have never, ever, ever even considered leaving New England. But Aaron's not happy. You know why? Because Aaron's never freaking happy. Whine and cry. Cry and whine. Mike McCarthy was the coach for how long? Let him to a Super Bowl. Countless playoff appearances. All of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers gets a hair across his ass from Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy's gone. They bring in Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur lets him open up the offense. Woohoo, that's great. This year, they don't win. There's already rumbling she's not happy with Matt LaFleur. Already people saying Colin Coward, 
who, look, you're going to love what he says or hate what he says, and it's a mixed bag for me at times, goes on and just rips the Packers a new one for not giving Aaron Rodgers weapons. That is absurd on a level I cannot even explain to you. This guy has so much talent around him. Now he has told the Packers that if they do not fire the GM, yeah, now he's holding his position hostage over them, by the way. It is supposed to be a team leader and captain. If they don't fire the GM, he's not coming back. He'll go host Jeopardy. He'll be a game show host. To that I say, (laughs) Jordan Love. 200, Alex. Who is the Packers' next starting quarterback? (laughs) Screw you, Aaron. You're a joke. So I'm just going to add a few names that you missed. Um, Tight end Robert Tanya is actually an up-and-coming tight end. Showed some promise last year. So I think I think that's a good weapon in the center. Um, Amari Rodgers, they drafted out of uh, Clemson. He's a pretty good wide receiver. Uh, again, it's a wide receiver. Uh, so if Aaron Rodgers wants to complain at a second-round uh, wide, uh, I'm sorry, third round wide receiver uh, is not sufficient. Um, I would say I think either A.J. Brown or D.K. Metcalf was a close to, if not a third round pick. But then there's also uh, Tyler Lockett, who I believe was lower, if not undrafted. So it's all about how he can get the talent out of the player not so much relying on the fact that it needs to be a first round pick because he wasn't going to get, he wasn't going to get the first round talent this year because they didn't need first round talent. What they needed was what they drafted was a cornerback to marry with Jair Alexander. Cause you can't, you can't put everything on Jair Alexander on defense. And also, for Aaron, what else do you need, man? Honestly, what else do you need? You have an offensive line. You have weapons on the outside. You have weapons on the inside. You have a premier running back. You have the head coach allowing you to do whatever you want to do. And it's still not enough because, what, you didn't win? I mean... They lost. They lost to the Bucks, right? I think, or they lost to the uh, Bucks. Yes, you lost to the Super Bowl champs. Okay, Tom was Tom Brady was on a tear, and that defense after it was after that defense was done with you, they went and kicked the crap out of Patrick Mahomes. So let's let's chalk that up as you know what. On that Sunday, they were better than us, because I had I had the Packers going to Super Bowl, and. I just think adding a cornerback, adding some pass rushers, because we, we have talked about this. The Smith brothers had a slightly down year. And I'm wondering if that's going to be an indication uh, about the next uh, next year that maybe they're going to take another dip in their production. And Rashad Gary is not going to be able to carry the defense and neither is Jair Alexander. So this is this is what you need to do to build your team. You need to build all the positions. You can't just keep investing in one position. You can't just 
draft three receivers in the first round. It just doesn't make sense. And honestly, where they were drafted in the third and second round, I don't think there was a, a tight end that was going to make a difference outside of Kyle Pitts. And they weren't drafting Kyle Pitts unless you were going to basically mortgage the future to try to move up to number four from number 20, what, 29? Well, yeah, that's fine for him. He doesn't care. He knows he's playing three or four more years and he's done. He doesn't give a damn. Right. So it, that, that would just be nonsense by that GM who apparently is going to already lose his job anyway. Uh, but it doesn't make sense for him to mortgage to what probably two, three first round picks to move from 29 to four. And that's if, if Atlanta wants to make the move and if Atlanta doesn't want to move, then you're trading to five for, for Jamar chase. They're not going to, it's like, you can only do so much at the position you were successful last year. So you're drafting in the bottom of the first round. So the talent that is there is not the upper echelon talent. Would have, would Rondell, uh, Rondell Moore been a good pick for them? Yes. It would have been a good pick. But I don't think one for one, he wasn't there. He was already drafted. But number two, I think the bigger need at that spot was getting Eric Stokes. Now, and if I were the if I were the Packers, I would have tried to move up to get Caleb Farley. So cause because I don't know what I don't know anything about Eric Stokes, but I just know that they need help. The problem is paying Devontae Adams, paying Aaron Jones, paying their whiny-ass uh, diva quarterback almost $40 million a year. Moving up that much in the draft not only costs capital, it's going to cost more money with the first-round pay scale. Yep. It's not possible. Aaron Rodgers just wants whatever he wants and doesn't care. The best thing for this team, trade Rodgers to Denver, get a couple first-round picks, maybe a decent player in return, yeah. move on. You're going to save yourself 30-something million dollars in cap space that you can use to really build it. Resign Devontae Adams to, to, to really to help boost your defense, to really help Jordan Love. You know, for whatever good he may or may not be, I don't know. But they must have seen something if they're going to waste a first-round pick on him or waste, spend a first-round pick on him. So move on from this guy. He's ridiculous. He's always been a whiner. He's always been insanely talented. I take nothing away from him talent-wise, but he's always been a crybaby. It's always someone else's fault. It's never Aaron Rodgers' fault. It's never the team's fault. It's always anybody but Rodgers. It started on draft day. Like you yeah. think you you think you was happy to be drafted that low in the first round? No. Well, that's what it's one thing to have a chip on your shoulder. That's one thing. Right. Lamar did too. But. You don't see Lamar out there whining and crying and throwing little tantrums like Aaron Rodgers does. And he could too. And and it would be legit if he was sitting there saying, I need receivers. Cause yeah. Hollywood, Hollywood Brown, for all the talent he has, is not that upper echelon player. And Rondell Moore, we'll see what he does. But he really only has Mark Andrews. That's about it right now, as far as receiving help. So he would have a legit case. Rodgers has no case, no argument. He just needs to play better. And 
The biggest problem they had, I just remembered, the biggest problem they had was the secondary against the, the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that's what they went out and got. They went out and got a corner, a first-round corner with talent to match up with Jerry Alexander. That's what they needed. And I'm sorry, Aaron. If, you, if you're going to score 30, let's say 30 points, your defense needs to be able to only give up 28. And that's the problem is their defense isn't giving up 28. So you feel compelled to score more points. When in reality, if you can score on average 21 to 25 points and your defense can give up 18, you're going to come out on the top more times than not. Tom, Tom didn't win every game this past year pretty and by super margins. They had a very, very good defense this year. Yes. For all the, all the good things he did during a playoff run, that defense helped him out a lot and as in the regular season as well. Helped him with that turnaround too because until they went on by, they were an average-looking team. And when they came back, they were more cohesive. They played better. It's always about Aaron Rodgers. That's all it is. It's always about – look, the star quarterback is going to be the focus. There's no doubt. Whether it's Tom Brady, whether it's Russell Wilson, whether it's Justin Herbert out there, even after even after one year with the, with the Chargers. Uh, it's always the starting quarterback. That's fine. The problem is it's usually just as a point of discussion in the direction the team is headed. It's not this guy did this. He did that. Draft day, it comes out. Draft day. When his team needs to focus on the future and building a team that he is still on, it's not a guy talking trash about a team he used to be on, like LaDainian Tomlinson would every time he left somewhere. It's a guy talking trash about a team he's on telling – current players he's done playing for this team you're gonna sit there when so many people are hurting right now badly badly who don't know where their next paycheck meal whatever is going to come from making 35 million you spoiled piece of trash and you're gonna sit there and say my team doesn't love me Oh, man, I'm going to go do this instead. I'm going to go do that. I want to be traded. I'm not going to play for you. I'll just, reti- I'll just, whatever, I'll give you back my bonus, my $40 million bonus. I just don't want to play for you anymore. God, get over yourself. This guy is so up his own ass. I, 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 I don't know how he can even see. Okay, I can't. I don't think I can add anything else to what you just said. I think uh, everything. I think everything is right on, and he's just. It, it's honestly, if I'm the Packers from the Packers front office, I just say, "Look, we're not trading you. We're not going to get the value. You want to go play um, TV show host on Jeopardy? Go ahead, but you're going to remain under contract." So, and then Jordan Love's going to be the, the starting quarterback. And, and they have that right to do that. Whatever they have to pay him, they'll pay him. And then whatever it, whatever requires him to be there on roster, for roster on game day, he won't get. So I, I would just hold my ground if I'm the Packers and say, look, we got our, our future quarterback. We have Devontae Adams. We have um, – Aaron Jones. We have all these talented players. Let's just ride it. Let's just go with it. Yep. Let's just do what we're going to do. 
we drafted a defensive player first because we needed him uh, and we'll move on. And then eventually when his contract resolves or he actually retires and submits the paperwork, then so be it. But if he's just going to act this way, then treat him like, treat him like a, a unretired player that's just sitting there not participating because he tries to come back. I have no doubt that the players will not. If he misses one game with this attitude, all the players will be done because I can feasibly see his player, his his uh, teammates being okay until game one, and then when game one is, Aaron, this is a different story. This is game one. This is the first game of the season. You need to be here, and he's not there. And there's Jordan Love taking the snaps then they're just going to hitch their wagon to him and say, hey, it's Jordan Love's, it's Jordan Love's team. And we're going to, we're going to ride with him because he's the one that's here. And I have no patience yeah, no. for Aaron Rodgers. No. And anybody, anybody, anybody out there listening to this, because believe me when I tell you, I, I am going to cut up what I just said to be one of our weekly clips. Cause I want as many people as possible to hear what I just said. Anybody who disagrees with me and think Aaron Rodgers is being mistreated, please, please come at me. Please come at me. Aaron Rodgers is and always has been a spoiled brat, diva, uh, bad for the team player. Always. And I am more than willing to die on that hill. So let's do this. Anything else, Mr. Prescott? Oh, no, I'm good, man. I'm good. All right. Thank you so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. We very much appreciate your support. It's episode 128. If you have any questions, comments on this episode, past episodes, or anything sports-related in general, Ben and I'd love to hear from you. And where can they get in touch with us? You can hit us up at Twitter, BCTS Pod, Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports, or the website, bctspod.com. All right. And if you have not yet and you feel so inclined, please find us wherever you download your favorite podcast and leave a rating and a review. Ben and I really appreciate it. And tell a friend about the podcast. Until next time, for Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you right back here next Wednesday. Thank you.